Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast, where we believe all of us can have a more purposeful and meaningful, and yes, an even more exciting life. Listen in to inspiring stories about ordinary people who have done extraordinary things with their lives, through their hobbies, their passions, and their businesses. Join your hosts, father and daughter team, Bob and Kelsey, as they travel the world seeking out those whose stories inspire us to do things greater than what we imagined we could. Well, welcome to the Talking Story Podcast. I'm Bob Walaszewski. And I'm Kelsey Walaszewski. And we bring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things to this podcast. And today we have a woman named Mama Rita. Uh, or the, of course, that's a nickname. It's Rita, and Rita hails from Israel. Now, I had a chance to be in Israel a few years ago, and uh, of all the places that I have vacationed or been to, and and I've been fortunate to have seen a lot of the world, my top number one uh, vacation has been to Israel. And uh, so just the fact that we were talking to a woman who is, uh, was born in New York City but makes her home in uh, the Holy Land was already a privilege. But then to find out what she was doing and to go into more details was fascinating, interesting, and really a whole lot of fun. Kels? Yeah, I tell you, this has been a year in the making, and it was just so exciting to finally get to talk to Rita and hear her story and why she does what she does. What's interesting is she is one of the few, I would say, that kind of fell into this purposeful um, endeavor accidentally. Yeah, our altruism came, I'm sure she had a desire to do something and make a difference, but she wasn't seeking it uh, like some people are trying. Uh, Like you said, she fell into it accidentally, which uh, of course we're going to hear a little bit about her story. But interestingly enough, just enough to whet your appetite, uh, when, when I was in Israel, all I saw was the great things. You know, Jesus walked here. Peter probably lived here. Uh, King Hezekiah uh, was involved here. King David was here. Um, didn't see much of the underbelly. And, uh, but Mama Rita has seen uh, a lot of the underbelly of her country. And, uh, and every country has it. Um, in her case, uh, it is taking people who have been who have crossed the border and have gone into Israel, and they're refugees, and uh, they don't have a job, they have no way to make a living, they're uh, subject to abuse, and many of them have been abused. Uh, where she comes and puts an arm around them, uh, houses them, feeds them, uh, takes them through a program, and uh, what a delight. Yeah. So for the listener, I'm again, thanks for joining us, you guys. It's a privilege to be in your ear every Monday. Maybe you don't listen to us on a Monday, but thanks for tuning in. We really do hope that this um, interview with Rita inspires you and allows you to put more tools in your tool belt to um, help you do amazing things, extraordinary things uh, in this world. So enjoy and stay tuned after as we debrief because there's a lot that I want to unpack in this interview.
Rita, welcome to the Talking Story podcast. Mama Rita, I know they call you. And I have been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. It was about a year ago that I heard about your amazing work that is happening in Israel at the Mount Carmel Shelter, working with women who have been refugees. And you're going to explain, hopefully, that to us a little bit in this interview. But for, for right now, Rita, first off, welcome. Thanks for being here. It's a 13-hour time difference from the Big Island to Israel right now. So you're about to go to bed, and we just woke up. Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much, Kelsey, Bob, for this opportunity. It means so much to me to be able to connect with um, the people who are listening and with yourselves. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Our, our pleasure and our honor to have you here. Well, we want to jump right in. As many of the listeners know who have been following the Talking Story podcast, we're very passionate about nonprofits as well as businesses who are oriented, who are their whole purpose, their whole goal is to help people. And your shelter over there in Israel does just that. And we would just love to kind of know how the shelter began um, mm. and then uh, the type of people, the type of women and children that you work with. I'm so happy to share that with you. Um, we are planted right on the very top of Mount Carmel. And it's a beautiful place that um, had a very old guest house that came into our hands about um, almost uh, 18 years ago. And I felt very strongly at that time that I wanted a place for women to feel safe. I had no idea what that would look like. And um, it just started taking off one woman at a time. The whole thing was that we didn't advertise, we didn't tell anybody, but one of the NGOs in Tel Aviv who worked with foreign workers, at that time there were no asylum seekers in Israel, but sent us some women who were in tremendous need, needing protection, and uh, they were not Israeli citizens. So we began our work with a Colombian woman who actually her boyfriend tried to kill her. It was quite a dramatic thing. We, we began to to just see what it was like to take in women who had no place else to go. Wow, that is, um, that's powerful. And you just think of, yeah, you just think of a woman. I think of myself like a woman in a foreign country who mm -hmm. has had a traumatic experience like that with no place to go and just feeling very hopeless. And here you guys are. Um, coming in and saying, hey, we have a place for you. So I want to go back real fast. So this, this sh shelter, this, this place on top of a hill, you guys weren't necessarily dreaming at this time of starting a women's shelter. You just saw this location and you're like, something needs to happen here. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, we, we actually had um, another building that was adjacent to it. This is in a little village outside of the city of Haifa. It's actually, it's uh, uh, Druze, D-R-U-Z-E. And um, we were able to plant the different works that we're doing there. But this particular building that had been, as I said, used as a guest house for many years, just was was needing something and because i believe that god speaks to us he spoke to me he gave me a word he said it's actually from the psalms that he is 
the refuge. He is our refuge, and he is our shelter, and a very present help in time of trouble. And I just took that word. I knew nothing about it. My background is academia, intercultural communication, teaching in universities, and I just felt I was past uh, the age of 50, that this was something that was was so so much of a calling. Hmm, that's amazing. So you started with a Colombian woman, and that's now, as I understand it, you have been helping a lot of Eritrean and Sudanese women. But why <laughs> do these women show up in Israel in the first place? Why do they not go to France or England or the United States of America? How? What, what is it about Israel that they, they're looking to flee and they go, huh, I'm going to Israel? Well, I wish it was quite that simple, but desperation drives people to places. First of all, we began working with this particular NGO for a couple of years, and they knew that we were very open to taking in women who basically, again, had nowhere else to go. We were taking in prostitutes, taking in a couple of drug addicts. It was a very diverse group. And then one day in March of 2006, our whole world changed. We got a call from the immigration police because they had heard about us. They said to me, we have the first Sudanese woman in this country. She just crossed the very dangerous border from um, Egypt and we have no place to put her. We'll have to put her in prison because actually Israel was at um, technically at war with Sudan. And I just knew it was like a big sign in front of me saying, this is going to be big. I had no idea where it was going. There were 250 Sudanese men in prison. Why were they there? Do you want me to go on? And, yeah, and, would love to. We'd love to know the backstory of what's going on with Sudan and their relationship with Israel. Anything right. you can tell us. Well, as I said, Sudan was not at peace and technically is still not at peace. But um, now there's a South Sudan and Sudan. But in 2006, there was only Sudan and the genocide in Darfur had begun to really, really happen. And that was world news. Everybody knew that, that the Darfurians were being killed. It was a genocide. But there had also been a 20-year civil war between the North and the South. South were primarily Christian, but also many Muslims there, as in Darfur. And the North, northern Sudan, Khartoum, had a terrible dictator. He's no longer in power, finally. And there was just many, many hundreds of thousands being killed and sent into their own um, um, refugee situation in Egypt. So you had hundreds of thousands in Cairo at that time who had been displaced by the war and what was happening at that time in Sudan. So they looked around and they said, where are we going to go? The UNHCR, United Nations High Commission Refugees, is the... um, agency that resettles refugees. At that point, they were so overwhelmed, they shut down. And in that shutdown, the Sudanese just had to take action. They had a big demonstration that went on for months. They just basically camped out across from the UN building. And at that point, the Egyptian police came in December 2005. Many were killed, and they looked around, and they said, where are we going to go? 
Wow. Oh my goodness. Rita, can you tell us a little bit too about, so, you know, again, trying to journey through a Sudanese woman, she has gone through atrocities in her own country. She makes it to Egypt. Uh, There's persecution, it sounds like, there in Egypt. And the persecution for a woman is not just violence. I mean, it sounds like she is a target for sexual abuse and exploitation as well. Is that correct? That is correct. And Kelsey, there were several different stages of this, and we don't have time to go into each, but that original time, they were fleeing the Egyptian, um, what they saw as the the absolutely hopeless, futurist situation there. They'd go to the very dangerous border uh, late at night. They would cross. Some of them were killed. Some of them were hurt by the Egyptian soldiers. And um, it was just a very terrible time. The army would bring them late at night to us, and they were traumatized. They were absolutely traumatized. And all we could do is give them a safe home, whether they were Christian, Muslim, they were all gathered together in our shelter. Now, a few years later, the situation somewhat changed and the population changed. We began to get Eritrean women, also Ethiopian women, who, and remember these countries geographically are all very close to each other. They would be kidnapped from their borders taken into the Sinai, which is part of Egypt, and raped and tortured in Sinai um, Bedouin camps. Um, It was a terrible few years that these women endured what was basically sex trafficking. And then they would somehow make it out, money extorted from their families, sometimes $35,000 somehow. And they would make it to the border of Israel And then they would either be sent to us or kept in a holding pattern in a detention center. And um, there was one other shelter run by the government. But we basically were taking in these women who you could see the burns on their body. You could see their teeth had been knocked out. They'd been raped. We gave up several babies for, for adoption those years. And still we're picking up the pieces even though the trafficking itself has ended, but picking up the pieces of the, the absolutely wounded lives from that time. Since 2006, over 150 women have escaped exploitation to be a part of Starfish Project. Each one of them is now developing a life-changing career in everything from sourcing to photography. Some have even gone on to run their own businesses. They, Starfish Project, invest 100% of your purchases into their social mission, which is to restore hope to exploited women and girls. Ladies and gents, yes, I said gents because guys, they have a really cool leather bracelet. Or maybe you are a guy listening and maybe you have a lady in your life. I mean, you could totally stoke her on a beautiful piece of jewelry that has a powerful give back. Starfish Project is where literally 75% of my jewelry comes from. In fact, it is one of our favorite brands at Moimoy Market. And don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. I love 
every single piece that we bring into Moi Moi Market. We are offering free shipping on order of $50 or more. To learn more about Starfish Project, you can listen to episode 13 on this podcast, which, if you don't know, is called The Talking Story Podcast. And don't forget to share it with a friend. And remember, by purchasing a beautiful piece of jewelry from Moi Moi Market or Starfish Project, you are truly changing someone's life. And we are so thankful that you walk this planet. Thanks for being you. And remember to go check out moimoimarket.com, spelled M-O-I-M-O-I market.com. That's right, moimoimarket.com, which is a one-stop shop for all your products of purpose. Rita, once uh, the women arrive at your shelter on Mount Carmel, um, t- take us through the process of these women receiving healing. Uh, number one, I have to think that their language is going to be an issue. They probably don't speak Hebrew. They don't speak English. They're, they speak their native language. You've got a little bit of that. And then how long is the program assuming to bring healing or do is there an end of it or just we keep them there until they feel good enough to go out on their own I'm trying to I'm trying to get my arms around what that looks like from the woman's perspective Bob it's it's been a changing um dynamic over the years now remember it's been since 2006 populations have changed policy has changed um as we took in the women um, it would really have to be tailor-made to who they were. The program as such did not exist. In fact, one of the why we're, we're even conversing today is because what we found during those those early years was it was very important to have something that they could do that they felt good about, that gave them a creative outlet after feeling these were the women from Sudan as well as the women who came through the Sinai, through the torture camps, that these women needed a place where they could feel that they were contributing something beautiful. And we went through a few different products in the beginning, a few different items. And finally, we had a wonderful volunteer from England came and taught them how to make bags, how to make cloth bags. We, we let them pick out their, their uh, materials, put things together. And I can truly say to you the sense of pride that I have seen on the faces of women over the years as they put together something, and of course they're they're paid for what they do, that has been a very important element. When I say custom, um, there has to be you know a, a program for each woman that's different in terms of the the kind of other helps we would give the the psychological, the emotional, the the, the spiritual help, that that would be more uh, tailored to each woman's need and her own background. But this has been a program that has lasted since 2008. And um, we're very happy that it's been a possibility for them to do something while they're in the shelter. Now, as, in terms of time, that also varies according to each individual woman. Um, because we are constantly dealing with what it can be the future, whether it's resettlement to another country, 
which is a very complicated process and, and one that, the uh, again, the UNHCR has to oversee or uh, the Canadians have been very open uh, to receiving some of our um, some of our women as well as Sweden uh, took a number of the trafficked women. So that is something that is happening along the side that we cannot control. We basically try to find solutions within Israel if at all possible. And women have stayed with us ten years or ten days. That's very rare, <laughs> but. But the average would be more like three to four years. So you really have had time to build relationship with these women and their kiddos, because I know you've had babies born throughout their stay. Um, how many women would you say is at the shelter in a year? You know, I know some are coming and going, but at one time, how many can your shelter handle? Oh, in the beginning, it was in the first number of years, it was something like 20, 25 with about 40 children. We've had over 110 born. I want to mention what have been some of the most moving situations. We would get calls um, that the Army was bringing girls that had been um, uh, left abandoned, not abandoned at the border, but but in two different instances, seen their mother killed or taken from them. And um, we raised those kids. Two of them are in Canada, two of them are in Norway. Um, we've taken ones that um, are still in Israel because they were not able to be reunited with their families. Um, so those have been extremely demanding because we never imagined that we would be taking in minors like that. But being able to to just see their lives transformed from total grief into fulfillment, education, as you well know, is a key part of that. So that I'll add to the numbers. Um, right now, we're at a much lower number because um, the situations change much, and um, the women are finding places within the community. Uh, that they can that they can um, live and and uh, have some kind of um, uh, not really a livelihood because most of them are cleaning, but to do something that they can support their families. So we've been taking in recently women from other countries, Central African Republic, Botswana, uh, for different reasons, reasons of religious persecution, of family persecution. Uh, so. Again, we're in constant change. I have a question, Rita. When these women make the mask, I mean, not mask, I mean the uh, uh, bags that, uh, that they've been making, um, how, how are they sold? Is it markets? Is, it, is there a distributor that takes them in mass and sends them to um, you know, the coals of the targets of the world? I'm, I'm trying to figure out how they retail. <laughs> Well, Moy Moy Market's going to be one well, of those I know, places. I know that. Besides Moy Moy, which We're is so which is which is huge, uh, what else is the uh, retail avenue for the ba for the bags? That's a good question. We we really in the beginning again because of our goal being really therapeutic and healing, and to give the women a sense of value. It was never um, because we're nonprofit. It, we we really didn't have that that goal. 
and were, was asked in the beginning by a wonderful uh, retail out in Tel Aviv, if we would make all the bags the same, she would give us a certain order every month. And, and we decided, no, that's not our reason to be. So we have been doing it. Basically, we have many groups visiting us because of where we are and our other parts of the work that we do. Uh, we do education. We have different groups that are coming for schools, for um, for just visits to come up to the mountain. Remember, we're the mountain of Elijah. We're up there on top of uh, Mount Carmel where that famous confrontation took place. Um, we also go to embassies, kibbutzim. So basically, it's been local. We've done a few things outside where people have taken the bags to Singapore, to the U.S., but we are not into mass marketing. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to steer this a little differently. Rita, I so appreciate you sharing about the shelter and what you're doing and the, man, the hundreds of lives that you guys have been a part of changing. And I know you're just mere tools of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but wow, mm. just incredible. But one of the things about the podcast is we're all about telling stories of ordinary people, uh, you know, we just say people, you're no different than anyone else. You know, you're an ordinary person doing extraordinary things. And so our hope is that your story can inspire someone else listening to say, hey, I could do something like this too. Now we're all on our own journey. Uh, we're all called to do different things, but would love to try to put into a listener's tool belt some ideas or concepts or things that they could do to apply to their own life as they're feeling led or called to help others. So going back in your life, I if I remember right, you you never had this like dream of working with women refugees and building a shelter. Like it really sounds like that kind of fell into your lap. But can you tell us a little bit about how you got to Israel and what led to the next to the next, if you could? Wow. <laughs> I know it's a big question. So oh, sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm Jewish from New York and growing up in the years of the, uh, shall we say, the counterculture. Uh, I lived in a very different world until I went to university, but dropped out, lived in uh, New Mexico. Um way out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, in 1973, my life just completely turned around. I had a real encounter um, relating to Yeshua, who, who the world would know as Jesus, Hebrew name, salvation. I had an encounter with him. And I basically realized that even as a Jew, he was my Messiah. And that kind of got me on a real different track. Um took me out of New Mexico and set me on a course in education, um, but still never with any desire, never even thought about African refugees. However, we did sense a call at some point in our lives that we would be in Israel. We first did um, a time in Japan and actually went directly from Israel to Japan. And that was quite a change, 1987. And that was the time that the, um, anyway, Israel was in quite, it seems to always be, but it was in quite of a, of a difficult period called the Intifada. 
And over those years, we joined together with another couple and said, there's a lot of needs here. We started working with drug addicts. We started working with uh, the needy, with Holocaust survivors, with new immigrants, and just uh, having a place where people could be spiritually fed as well as finding purpose. And that's how I said in the beginning of the interview, we were able to acquire this old guest house. And I think what I would say is just to stay, stay really alert. What, what, you know, for me, I believe it's God saying, but what is there, that little inner nudge, a little sense of, of what am I supposed to do with myself? For years, I, I really didn't know here in Israel because I wasn't doing what I did before I came here. So um, I just believe God's got a plan. He's got a destiny, and it's finding that place. Another uh, interview I think I saw on YouTube or Vimeo, but you were kind of alluding to the fact that life has not been easy, that your work in Israel has been hard. And you even, like you just said, went into Israel during a difficult political season. Um, can, you know, here, here we are, if we're going to be honest, we're in a COVID season. And I know that has been difficult for many people. And difficulty is just a part of life. However, even if it's a part of life, it's still hard. And I would just love to know what you do in your personal life um, in finding peace and joy in difficult seasons and especially in working with women. I mean, people go, oh my gosh, what an amazing thing that is. But people often know that it, there's struggle, that you probably get kind of a slap in the face at times. Here you are helping, doing amazing things and and you're going to get conflict. You're going to get people walking out. I mean, it's hard work. So um, what what do you do when the struggle exists and is real? And yeah. Chelsea, I think you've been watching my my little world this last week. It was one of the harder weeks, you know, because you don't always get the gratitude or the sense that, wow, it's so wonderful what you're doing. I'm telling you, you know, really the truth that, if I didn't have the faith and the knowledge that really what we do is for his glory, for his name, for his, his calling, then for me, I probably would have given up a long time ago. Um, you know, you need to pray. Not, not all of the people who work with us are people who share the same faith, but we do pray together. We do have a, a real sense of of a, of a love and a, a commitment to, to what we're doing. And yeah, sometimes it's a literal slap in the face because there, there has been really trying, difficult times. And then we live in a, in a hard neighborhood. We've been there for a few wars. And, um, you know, we just, uh, 2006, when we first started taking the Sudanese, we were, we were uh, being bombed by the Hezbollah. In South, from South Lebanon, and, and it brought up such traumas in some of our women to be running into bomb shelters. Uh, thankfully, we haven't had that happen again, but we certainly have to keep our women aware of what to do um, because we, we're on the edge. And again, it's only under what I would say really the, you know, there's a beautiful Psalm, Psalm 91, how we are under the wings. You know, we're kept under the shelter of the Lord. And um, 
in his secret place. And that's where we got to stay. Rita, I have a question that is totally unrelated to the great work you're doing, but since we have you, I've got to ask it. And I'll start by saying that when my wife and I were privileged to go to Israel uh, a few years ago, uh, I thought it would be something I would check off this box. I went to Israel, boom, been there, never want to go again. I can't wait to go again. I, I hope the Lord opens the door. And the reason I'd love to go again is that it just made the Bible so real to me. You know, I swam in 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 the Sea of Galilee. Um, I uh, went through Hezekiah's water tunnel that people thought didn't even exist, but the Bible said it did. And, you know, there's just things in uh, been on uh, the, the Temple Mount, if that's the real uh, location. I guess there's some question about it could be actually be closer to the city of David. But my question to you would be, um, I, I want people to to go to Israel because I think it's great for the economy and I think it's great for their faith. And I realize that right now with travel being uh, curtailed because of COVID, that may not happen, but there's listeners now that could be planning to go there soon. For your point of view, tell me about something that being in Israel it just, it just lit up the Bible for you. You're just like, I went to and I saw, and it has been a, a huge blessing to my faith because I was there where Jesus was or I was there where King David was. What? Tell me something like that. Well, <laughs> I have, you know, you're, you're in the midst of this day to day and you're like, whoa, where am I? You know, um, and as I say, we are on Mount Carmel, which is First Kings 18, the incredible story of, of the, the triumph of God's man, Elijah. But I had my moment on the Sea of Galilee in 1987. Before we moved here, I was with uh, my husband, our two-year-old. We were on this boat, my first time on the Galilee. And um, I still remember it. It was a disco boat. So it was like music playing and all kinds of people on it, and religious people, religious Jewish, all kinds. And the Lord just spoke to me in that moment. And he asked me if I would be willing to give my life to live there. Mm. And there I was. You know, we all know the story of Yeshua, Jesus, walking on the water. We know the stories of the winds coming and going. But for me, it's that personal moment. I believe people have that all over Israel, whether it's in Jerusalem, whether it's on Mount Carmel, whether it's in the Dead Sea, whether it's down in 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 Beersheba or Jaffa, there's a place that God has for you to know that he is there. And he's as real as he was 2,000 years ago. Mic drop. (laughs) Rita, you just brought it. I love it. Hey, Rita, we are about out of time, but want to know how people could connect with you, connect with your nonprofit, um, obviously, bags can be bought on moimoimarket.com. We're so excited to be working with you and the ladies that you work with and providing a marketplace where they can sell their bags and people can purchase their bags. Um, and then also, I, I know pre-COVID, you guys were leading trips to Israel or hosting trips, I should say, to Israel. Yeah. So, we have a school of ministry, that's correct. Yeah. And I know we don't know what the future holds, but hopefully, <laughs> Lord willing, those trips will maybe resume in the future. Mm-hmm. We certainly hope so. Um, I say just to reach me directly, I can give information on all those uh, different 
aspects, the, the, the work in the shelter, the, the what we call Mount Carmel School of Ministry. Easiest is just to email me CML, the letters C like in, in Carmel, M like in man, L like in love, shelter at gmail.com. Very simple. We'll put that in our show notes. So if someone didn't have a pen and paper and they're like, oh, what was that again? You guys can find those uh, notes in in our show notes and we'll have the links in the videos that you can learn more about Mama Rita and what she is doing in Israel working with these women refugees. And the Africa's Heart is the name of the bag making uh, side of things. Is that correct, Africa's Heart? That's correct. And every bag has the name of the woman who made it. Oh, so excited. We're just so excited to be selling those Aww. bags. Well, Rita, thank you so much. It is, I know, bedtime for you. And then our day is just <laughs> beginning, like we said. Down the road. Oh, but thank it has you. been such a pleasure to talk with you. We just are going to be praying for you. And uh, we know God is doing amazing things. And even in this difficult season and in your difficult week, as you've just told us that he is so faithful and uh, we're just re-reminded that our lives are not meant to be our own. And you exemplify that so well. And I appreciate on behalf of the women that you have worked with over the decades um, of just doing amazing things and serving them and loving them and coming al- alongside them and really um, providing a home, you know, a place to belong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important in helping uh, work, you know, Uh, helping victims of PTSD and sexual exploitation and persecution. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just making this opportunity available for us. And thank you so much for what you are doing. Really appreciate this. Happy to do it. Thanks again, Rita. God bless. And then I hope, 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 hope to see you sometime in Israel. We'll be there. We'll be there. (laughs) I have a sneaking suspicion that I am going to meet Mama Rita someday, um, hopefully here in Hawaii, but more hopefully uh, on, her, on her turf uh, again in Israel. So we'll see. Um, but what a privilege, Kels, to be able to hear her story. Very inspirational. Exactly uh, what we're about, you know, highlighting an ordinary, I know she would call herself an ordinary person, but fell into this lifestyle and mission of doing extraordinary things altruistically for these ladies. Yeah, I mean, just a reminder, we are not here to pat on the back and go, you know, these people are, you know, awesome and amazing. They are, absolutely. But we're really drawing light in that anyone can make a difference. Like Mama Rita has made a difference in her community in Israel. And so, after the interview, there were a few things that I thought, oh, I wish I wish I was still recording. This is so good. But she really wanted make, to make sure that we emphasize the, the bags because obviously this is something we'll be selling on moimoimarket.com. Mm-hmm. Which I happen to call mask. And I'll, there's a story behind that in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, maybe someday. But I, I feel like there's a flood of masks on the market in this COVID season. So yeah, bags, we'll be using bags forever and ever. Masks, we're hoping are temporary. Yes, very temporary. So we don't want to go there. So we understand the not production in masks. But anyways, um, 
she really wanted to make sure that we emphasize that this opportunity for the women to make bags is yes, it's a tool for them to make some money for themselves so they can provide for their own needs. But it also is a tool to help them find creativity within themselves. And I think each one of us has this desire to create, whether it's a business, whether it's a product, whether it's a piece of art, like, I don't know, that's just one of those, how we're created in our, the image of our creator. Like we have this ability to create. And so the making of these bags also allows these women to create, which they find healing through creating. They find healing at the sewing machine where they can make these individual bags and no bag is alike. So every bag is unique, although, you know, their patterns and the prints seem to be the same. Each woman will put a different spin on the bag, a uh, different button, different inside material. Maybe they sew the patterns in a different way. So that's a- amazing because I love that it's not just a, this is what you do. This is what you have to make. It has to look exactly like this. It's like, nope, here's the basics that we want you to do. But you just go, you create, you create what you want. and so. Yeah, I just love that. Well, and unlike a lot of different people that we've highlighted, a lot of different organizations, we we get to uh, to say, well, how would you get this jewelry? Well, how would you get this coffee mug? And you'd be like, well, you can go to my website or you can go to moimoymarket.com. In, in this case, uh, you can't go to her website to get it. So Moy Moy Market becomes uh, a great place to grab it. Or you can go to Israel and go to the top of Mount Carmel and probably purchase it in person. But that would be a very expensive bag by the time you figure travel expense, although very worth the travel to go to Israel. But so the little sales pitch here is go to moimoimarket.com. Always love our sponsor. Love what you do, Kelsey, uh, as far as uh, this one-stop shop idea that you can uh, sell product, that you are selling products with purpose. It's not about profit. In fact, We've said this before. If it's your first time listening, we'll say it now. Uh, this has not been a money-making endeavor for Kelsey. This has been an uh, out-of-her-pocket endeavor. Uh, maybe someday uh, that it could be, Lord willing, uh, but it hasn't been yet. So it, her motivation has not been about the money. It has been uh, trying to help various organizations and people who have been uh, marginalized uh, who now like have Rita, product. Reinco- Rita and what she's doing with these refugee women, it, that's exactly why Moy Moy Market exists. You know, it's a marketplace. Yeah, we sell cool product. We make it easier for people to purchase multiple brands in a one-stop stop shop. Like, absolutely. We are there for our... Wait for it, folks. There's a sneeze. This is the raw and the real. I saw the face. I saw the face. And we are not editing this. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, all that to say is um, that's what Moy Moy Market's about. Is yeah, we want to make it so easy and beautiful for the customer, but it's also about the people on the other side. And that's actually probably more what we're about is because we know how powerful our dollar is in helping these people like these refugees in in, um, Israel. And yeah, Christmas is approaching. So why not purchase gifts that really truly make a difference in other people's lives? And so these bags are just one of the many products that we'll be selling and would love for you guys to support us through Moy Moy Market 
When you purchase products of purpose on Wayway Market, it helps keep this podcast on the air. So if this um, is the first time someone has tuned into a a podcast, let's say, uh, because they heard through Mama Rita, um, but they'd like to uh, hear more and they'd like to know more, where do they go and what do they do? Yeah. So there's many ways that you can listen into this podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. And then you can go to the TalkingStoryPodcast.com. It's the, T-H-E, TalkingStoryPodcast.com. Also found on Moy Moy Market. And you can see the tab. It says the Talking Story Podcast. You can see pictures of all the faces that we have interviewed uh, from this year. We're almost, Dad, we're almost a year old. I know. Isn't that crazy? In October. In October. So we're going to be airing this either end of September, early October. So yeah, we're a year old. This is exciting. We have so many more people that we are going to be interviewing this year. And we've had so many interviews already. So for those that are just new to the podcast, man, you don't want to miss out on the previous interviews. Like we have, I mean, Kendrick's brothers, we have... Uh, Jenny McGee from Starfish Project, and they're helping women out of sexual exploitation in Heart Southeast and Asia. Heart coffee cups and, uh, and, and, e- and even some... Uh, Heart Ranch is a horse therapy program over here on the Big Island. Ho'ola Napua, an organization that helps uh, people in, out of sex trafficking here on Hawaii. So, I mean... Becca and, and I'll push you. And the, I'll push you guys. Yeah. One of my very favorite ones. Yo, yeah, that man. We got such a response from the I'll push you. So we have Justin and Patrick. Justin pushing, or Patrick pushing Justin across the El Camino Trail uh, in Europe in a wheelchair. And they talk about that. So, you know, it's really cool that this podcast isn't all about talking about products. It's really giving you the tools to use your life to change the world, whether it's your business, whether it's just volunteering, like you have a purpose. I believe that for every single person listening to this podcast, that's why we exist. Amen. And you have a purpose. And so by listening to this Talking Story podcast, you just pull tools, stick it in your tool belt. And that way you can walk on your journey, making a difference in other people's lives, in your community, in your sphere of influence, whatever that may be. So Blessings to you, you guys. We will see you next Monday on the Talking Story Podcast. Aloha. Thanks for joining us today on the Talking Story Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired. Be sure to visit our show notes for more information and find us on social media at the Talking Story Podcast. Your hosts, Bob and Kelsey, want to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Oh, and big mahalo to our sponsor of today's podcast, Moy Moy Market, a one-stop shop to purchase products with purpose. We truly believe you have it in you to change the world too and to make an amazing difference in the lives of others.